John chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh, and dwelt the will of man, but God. Oh. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for loving us unconditionally. Thank you for giving us your word for instruction, um, guidance, and teaching. Thank you for uh, giving us yourself as ultimate example of how to be light to those around us in this dark, fallen world. Give us your eyes to see, ears to hear, minds to understand, and hearts to believe the message that you have for us to receive today. Amen. Buenos dias, familia. Man, a lot of energy this morning. Christmas cheers all around us. Uh, we are on our fourth and final week of Advent. I know we're all very excited for Christmas to come. And yet it is not here. We still have a few more days to wait. And as I reflected on that this week, I thought about Jesus being born as a baby. The people of God have been waiting for this Messiah for 400 years. And he shows up as this teeny tiny baby who still has to grow up and mature before he can really do anything for his people. And so we all have journeyed with the people of God longing for Jesus to come and we've explored different things throughout these uh, past weeks as we long for Jesus to come. And we know that there is darkness all around us, and God is the light that comes and shines in the darkness. And when we say Merry Christmas, like we heard last week, uh, ultimately the merriness comes from the joy that we find in Christ. And I just have a very beautiful story to share with you about Christmas cheer that's all around us. Yesterday I went to the grocery store to H-E-B. I drive up to the parking lot, and I, I, I look to the very entrance, and there is a parking spot right at the front waiting for me. And I'm like, Lord, you are good. You are providing a very good parking spot for me not to have to walk very far to get my groceries. So I drive up to these, this parking spot, and there's a gentleman in the parking spot next to it, and he's putting up his groceries. So he has his cart right next to my, uh, 
the parking spot I was about to take. So I see him, and I'm like, man, I'm in the hot age here. You know what? Merry Christmas. I'll wait 30 seconds, a minute, not a big deal. So I kind of pull forward and reverse halfway into the parking spot. You know, and I'm looking at him in the rearview mirror, and I smile at him, and he smiles back. And I'm like, man, this is a Christmas cheer right here. It's so beautiful, right? So he has one more bag to finish putting into his car and puts his last bag into the car, looks at me, closes the door, gets in his car, and drives off and leaves the cart halfway in the parking spot I'm supposed to pull into. I'm like, this guy, not thinking, goodness gracious, bro, you see me pulling into this parking spot, right? And I'm like, all right, Lord, I've been praying for an illustration to give, not quite the one I expected to have, but in that moment, um, I was just grateful that God reminded me, hey, this is Christmas cheer is not as obvious or evident as we would want it to be in our world. And so as I think about that, and we can laugh about that, uh, I titled today's sermon something that you might recognize in your text messages, titled it LOL. Now, you guys all know what that means, right? Okay. You could, you could tell me what it means. What does it mean, fam? Laugh out loud. Yes. So if you've text at all, you've probably used this, this term before. Now, I've always thought it's curious we say LOL, like, uh, none of us ever say laughing inside, right? Like, that's actually what most of the time happens when we receive a text. We're, like, kind of laughing a little bit on the inside. But we always say laughing out loud. And I wanted to put this in front of you because, I mean, we're, we laugh during this time. There's, there's, when we see this text, we know there's some joy and happiness that comes from the situation or the con- conversation we're having. And so I wanted to put this in front of us because I, I want you to take LOL with you today in a slightly different perspective, in a slightly different view than maybe you're used to seeing, that maybe it's not just about laughter. Maybe there's something else we might discover in today's text this LOL might show to us. But in order to do that, I, I want to ask you a question. Uh, I, wanna ask, I want you to just take a second, and I want you to think, what do you want out of life? Now, I genuinely just take the next 15 seconds, and I want you in your mind to focus and answer the question, what do you want out of life? Now, you have whatever that thing is in your head, right? You have that in your mind. Now, I know we're in church, and I don't want you to over-spiritualize it, so just be honest with yourself. What do you genuinely want out of life? What if I tell you that you don't want enough? What if I tell you that whatever you thought about, you're not asking for enough from God? And maybe you asked for a better job, maybe you asked for a better house, for a better car, and you might be saying, bro, you don't even know what I asked for. Maybe you want the latest Tesla, whatever it is that you asked for. What if I tell you, you are not asking for enough? John today is going to help us understand why we are not asking for enough. And so he starts off this gospel in one of the most epic ways that you can ever start a book. But he starts it and ends it in this very epic way. And the way he ends it, he explains to us why he wrote this book. And at the very end of John, in chapter 20, verse 31, he says, But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So the purpose John writes his book, the purpose he writes his gospel is that, one, we may believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and two, that in believing we would find eternal life. And so we get into today's text with that perspective in mind, and we'll read the first few verses together. It says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now let's stop there. Your first LL for today is this. It is that we have a light of life. John is pointing this out to us, that Jesus is the life, and that he is the light of life 
for men. And so we have our first LO, the light of life. And he continues and says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Now, at this point, we've heard this a couple of times that we may believe that we may believe. And the first thing we find in this first LOL and this first light of life is the invitation to believe in the word. To believe in the word is our first invitation. And so we have to ask ourselves, who is this Jesus? And Josue, how, how do you see this opening be so epic? Well, the words we find in verse 1 are words that are very familiar to us this year, especially being in Genesis, right? It reminds us of Genesis 1, in the beginning. And John does this very purposefully. He, he, this is no mistake. There are two things he's going to uh, allude to here. One is Genesis, and then the second part he's going to allude to Exodus. But he, he's saying, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And so we have to ask, who is this Word? Why is this so important to John? And he is telling us, this is God himself, this Son who will now see as Jesus in the flesh. He was in the beginning. He is telling us, before time even began, Jesus existed. The Son of God existed. The Son of God was present. And in him, was, uh, he was the Word, and he was with God. And check this out. This is, this is big. He was God. Now, the word here seems like an odd way to present Jesus, right? Like, why use the word? The Greek is logos. Like, why present him as logos? Well, when he's speaking to this audience, what, what he knew is that the, the Greeks at that time had this perspective that there was something, something divine and something cosmic, something huge that had created order and harmony in the, in the world, that there wasn't anything by chance that, that was happening in this beautiful, created, harmonic order that they saw and observed in the world. And so there must have been something behind that, and they called that logos. And so John comes and says, hey, in the beginning was logos, and the word was with God. And, and this is like, mag, like mega news, and the word was God. He wasn't just with God. He was God, and now he is pointing to us, this Jesus who is eternal. He is outside of time, not constrained by time. And then he tells us everything that was created was created by him. Nothing that was created was created without him. And so we have this cosmic God who is eternal from before time, who will later on in Revelation see also John re, uh, reveal him as the word that comes robed in clothing as the conquering king. And so before time and to the end of time, we see Jesus be the word, the God, the living one. And he is cosmic outside of time. He is creator and sustainer of life. He is bigger than anything we could ever desire or want. And John has to point this out in these simple words that he is the word and the word was God and he, the word is God. Nothing was created without him. And so when we look at this, John is telling us that the Word of God wasn't just the words we see in this text or in the Old Testament. No, what we find in Jesus is that his life, the way he was himself, was a testament to the words that we find about God and who he is. So that, has to, uh, that led me to ask myself a few questions for us as Christians, as believers, as professing the faith, as professing Jesus as a Lord, what kind of words describe your life? If you had to take inventory, or not even that, if you ask someone, what kind of words describe your every day? Not your Sunday morning, but your Monday through Saturday. What kind of words would we use to describe how we live, what we believe, what we think, how our true self is? 
This is ultimately what is being brought to light here for us, is what is at the core of us. And, Jesus, and John tells us that if we believe the word, if we believe Jesus is God, he is eternal, he's outside of time, he's creator and sustainer, he is bigger than anything we could ever imagine. If we believe that, then he says in verse 4 that we would find life and that life would be the light of man. Now, the word that we would be expecting for life from John here is the word bios, which is it's spelled bios. It's where we get the word biology from. But he doesn't use that word for life here. In fact, for most of the book, the word that he uses is a slightly different word. It's zoe. And that word is the word for eternal life. It's for a, for a life that's beyond bios. Bios is dust to dust. It is the temporal. It is life that begins and ends here on earth. But he says that the life, the zoe, the eternal life is what Jesus came to give to us. But this is what I think happens to us as we journey through our lives, is that we have these cycles. We live through these cycles that happen in life. The most obvious one is our weekly cycle. It's our weekly rhythm, right? If we look around us, it's, 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 no, uh, uh, it's so common to know that a lot of people are really excited about Friday afternoon. Why? Because the weekend's here. And so the week we've endured and we've gr- we, like, we grinded hard and, and we're just ready to find a moment of relief. And so we have this cycle of Monday through Sunday. And, oh, man, I'm, just, I'm ready to be relieved for the weekend. Or maybe it's month over month where you're seeing your expenses and your earnings and you're just kind of navigating, all right, just another month. I just need to make these payments. I just need to get through this month and then I'll get to X, Y, or Z. Or maybe it's a semester. And maybe as students or as teachers or, or, or as parents, we were just, we just got to get to the Christmas break. And we have this just as long as I get to this cycle. Or maybe it's the whole year. And we wonder, all right, the holidays are coming up. We kind of already know how it's going to go. We just got to have to get through the holidays, and we have this yearly cycle. Whatever cycles we find ourselves in, we know this. The weekend ends, and Monday starts all over again. Christmas ends, and your semester starts all over again. The, the, the holiday season ends, and now we're right back into January 1st where all of us are going to have a New Year's resolution to work out more and to lose some weight and to look better and to be better, and that's going to last about 30 days, and we, and we begin to see these cycles. And I think the trap for us has been that when we read words like Jesus came to give us life is that we look to Jesus to, to give us bios. We're saying, Lord, I, I want you to break into these cycles, and I want you to make my bios better. I want you to make these cycles better for me because they're just, they're very difficult. And I'm, I'm, I'm just really tied up in these bios, in these cycles. And Lord, I just need your help in this. And when God comes to us in the form of Jesus, and Jesus says words to us like, I came to give you life, that you may have life abundantly. We, we think, oh, life abundantly in this bios, in this finite, in this momentary. And God is saying, Jesus is eternal. What I came to give you is eternal life. Not the day that you die, you'll acquire eternal life. No, now you have eternity in your heart. We have been placed eternity in our hearts. Why? So that as we navigate these cycles, that honestly, fam, as the older we get, we realize just don't end. There's just new ways that we see these waves and rhythms come to us in life. The only way we can actually weather these bios is if we have 
zoe, eternal life in Jesus. It's the only way that we can come back to these cycles and endure, and endure with the hope, love, peace, and joy that we find in Christ. Otherwise, we are stuck in these cycles, and all we are simply seeking is momentary relief. But God says, I have something so much bigger to give you than momentary relief. I have eternal life for you. I have eternal life for you to taste and see that Jesus is good, that he is better. And when we do see and taste that Jesus is good and that he is better, we are able to come back into these cycles. We're able to come back to these cycles and realize that sometimes God doesn't change our circumstance because he is changing us. Sometimes he doesn't change our circumstance because he is changing us. He is ridding us of disbelief of the bios that we have set our hope upon. He is ridding us of those things so that we can more clearly see Jesus, know Jesus, believe that he is the eternal God, and allow him to truly give us the deepest satisfaction that our hearts and our souls long for. And that is ultimately what makes all this suffering worthwhile. So our first invitation is to believe in Jesus. And the second invitation we find in the next few verses, verses 9, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. The second invitation we have is that we would know God. You see that if we believe, John says, we would find eternal life, that we would truly have this life. And the invitation is to know him. His own people didn't know him. Now, I, uh, I got a buddy of mine to, to help me illustrate what this could look like for us. So I have a small woman. <clears throat> My friend, uh, Will Farrell, has helped me preach a lot of sermons, and um, I'm really grateful for him. I looked him up this week, and apparently he is a self-proclaiming atheist, and here he is helping me preach some sermons, so praise the Lord for that. But you've seen this movie, right? It's like timely in our Christmas season. And we have this buddy the, buddy the elf who, when he hears Santa is coming, he, I mean, he cannot help but say he's coming. He is excited because he knows who Santa is in this story. And, and, and in his mind, he, he's, he's so excited to share, I know him. I know him. I know Santa. He's coming. And if you watch the movie, you know he spends the whole night preparing for Santa to come. He spends the whole night preparing that room to look beautiful for Santa's arrival. Now, he gets an ugly reality the next day with the fake Santa that he calls out. He's like, you're not the real Santa because he knows the real Santa. And you'll be saying, so how, do, how does this connect? How does this connect to our text today? Well, when, when Jesus came to, to his own people and they rejected him because they did not know him. The word know is, is the word we've been hearing in Genesis for a husband and a wife knowing each other very intimately to be being, being very connected to one another. It is this idea that not just that we, we've read the Bible, that we know enough scripture, that, that we read all these other books that tell us about Jesus and, and how to be about his mission. It's not just that, that we would theoretically, conceptually, mentally know him. It's that we would commune and relate with him. That's the invitation, that when people say Jesus, we'd be so excited, like, he's coming. I am so excited for that day because I know I cannot wait for him to come back and make all things new to restore and redeem all that is broken, like, he is coming. I am so excited, and that we would be able to be people that say, I know him, that when you hear the word Jesus, you could genuinely say, I know him. 
when I think of the martyrs that have died over many centuries for the sake of the gospel, and I ask, how were they able to do that, and why were they able to do that? The answer is quite simply one answer. They knew Jesus. They knew Jesus. You may say, but, but bro, I'm, I'm, I'm not a martyr. I'm, I'm not going to die. I'm, I'm, like, that's so far removed from me, and yet our call is that every day, we would die for the sake of the gospel, that we would pick up our cross and follow Jesus. That is the call for you and for me, that when we know Jesus, we know we have everything we could ever need. We have our hope, our peace, our joy, and our love in our greatest expectation of Jesus and our in eternity. And so we're able to navigate these cycles. And the beautiful thing that happens to you and to me when we truly know Jesus is that we stop, stop coming to him simply for relief in the bios, and we begin to experience Zoe, eternal life. We begin to experience an awakening to something different, to something greater, to something that is more purposeful in this life than the things that we can ask for. And so when's the last time that maybe you asked God to show himself to you? When's the last time that, that you came before the Lord and said, Lord, I just, just show me who you are? Help me believe that that is enough for my daily living. This week I was uh, gently reminded in one of my uh, residency trainings for church planting that, that we as planters cannot confuse working for God with our relationship with God. In fact, the warning was your work for God, your work in ministry can actually kill your relationship with God. Why? Because we are about really good things and we tend to confuse doing really good things with communion with God. There's no substitute for communion with God. You see, it is when we know God that we are able to endure. It is when we know God that we are able to withstand. It is when we know God that we are able to suffer as those with hope. But, bro, you, you just don't know what's happening in my life. Yeah, you're right. When, when, when your life doesn't play out the way you expected it to, your response can be, but I, I know him. When church planning doesn't go according to plan and the way I thought things would work out, but I know him, and he is enough. When your marriage is not where you wanted it to be by this point, but you know him, and there's hope for your marriage, for your kids, for your job, and for your future. And the beautiful part about not just believing God and knowing God for eternal life is that when we know him, truly know him, we, we move from simply wanting a light for life, and we move into the next LOL. It's a life of light. Now we're not just coming to God for a light to give us direction for our bios, for our cycles, for our waves. No, now we're coming to God and saying, Lord, as you have loved me, let me love others. Now that I know you, I want to live for you. It changes everything. Now John is writing this, and we, and we would almost think the, the, the climax of this prologue is Jesus became flesh. But if we actually pieced this out and looked at the chiastic structure, the chiasm that exists here, uh, the, the highlight of this text is verse 12. So go with me to verse 12. He says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. This is, this is the good news, fam. This is the good news of the gospel for you and for me. That it wasn't because you and I were good enough it wasn't that this guy did enough to earn God's favor. It's never been that. It's not because I was so uh, skilled and so good at different things that God said, I'm going to choose him for my work. No, it's simply because God has loved us so much. 
1 John 3, 1 through 3 says this, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. We love it. We are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when, when he appears, we shall be like him, because he shall, we, we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Greatest gift we've been given is this gift of grace, not one that we've earned. In fact, I could tell you, I have nothing in me that deserves to be called a child of God. But the Lord in his great mercy looked at me in his great love as we look at Jesus as our greatest hope for love. He looked at me and he said, you have everything in Christ and I love you because of Christ's sacrifice because he died and resurrected and now I give you grace and upon grace upon grace. That is what we find in this text and that is the most beautiful gift that you and I can receive is that we are children of God. And the life of light understands this, is that we are rooted in our identity as children of God. We are rooted in our identity as children of God. As children of the light, as children of this eternal God, this cosmic creator, sustainer. But many days, you and I, in our 8 to 5, in our afternoons, in our schedules, in all the things that take up our life, we forget our identity. We forget that we are children of the light, that we are children of God. And then we, we journey as children of bios, as children of the life of this world. And, and we know we have kingdom citizenship. We have eternal citizenship. But, but we're also citizens of Houston, Texas, of Richmond, Texas, of the kingdoms that we try to build down here. And so we work and navigate to try to find a good and full life in, these, in this world. And God is saying, but you are a child of God, of the eternal cosmic creator. You have access to eternity, and you are settling for the temporal and the momentary. And I ask you again, what if what we are asking for is really not enough? All the things that we could ever pursue in this world will never, never satisfy. But man, what a gracious gift that the Lord looks at you and looks at me and says, child of God says, son, says, daughter, says, I love you, says, I've died for you so that you may live an eternal life, so that you may find eternal hope in Jesus. What a beautiful gift from Jesus that we would be called children of God. And so we are. And so as we are rooted in our identity as children of the light, it changes the way we live. It changes the things we focus on. It changes the four T's that we talk about here at the Grove. Time, treasure, truth, and talent. Now, if you're listening to this message and thinking, hey, you're asking me to do more, or you're asking me to serve more, you're asking, no, 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 that, that's the invitation here is not that you would do more to find Jesus, it's that you would take time to commune with him. There's no accident that he is the word, and he's given us the word. We never graduate from the basics of the word and prayer. That is where we find Jesus. That is where we find our relationship to Jesus. I mean, think about your marriage. Think about the way you guys interact. Think about having to have intentional time to connect. You can't just say, well, yeah, babe, I know you. Right? Like, that's enough. You know I love you. And, and see how far that gets you. Right? See how, how, how far that gets you by simply saying, we know each other. You know. That's not enough. 
But when we take time and we dress up and we take each other out to dinner and we serve each other and we prepare gifts for each other, there's some intimacy that happens. There is some communion that happens there. There is this deeper connection that happens. And over time, those are the rhythms that help sustain our marriage, help sustain our relationships. It is the same with the Lord. It is not enough to simply come on Sunday and to listen. Bam, the, the, the preacher is, this, this is not enough. This word that you receive from the pulpit is not enough to sustain your relationship with God. No, you are called to be a disciple. You are called to have a relationship with Jesus through his word and through prayer. And that's been the invitation all along through Advent, that as we long for Jesus, as we long for his coming, we actually get to discover who he is in the word. And what happens when we discover who he is is that our time, our treasure, our truth, and our talent are drastically and radically shaped by our relationship with Jesus. Because now we have a kingdom perspective. Because now we realize it's about eternity. It's not about the temporal. It's about eternity. There's a lot more at stake here. And so we can rearrange our lives around eternity to bring eternity, the hope of eternity, into the temporal it is why many of us serve week in and week out, and we're tired, and we'd rather not wake up early to come serve. I mean, it feels sometimes like a part-time job. What would drive us to do this if not the reality of the love of God that he's poured out on us? And we know we are children because we've experienced his love, and we want to serve, and we want to love because he first loved us. So we have this identity. We're rooted in our identity as children of God. And what this identity does is it purposes us for something greater. It purposes us at witnesses, as witnesses of the light. It's not just that we are citizens of the kingdom. Cool, big deal. No, no, we actually have a kingdom purpose. Let's keep reading in verses um, 15 here. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was of him, this was he of whom I said, he, come, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. From, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Our brother John, the Baptist here, he knew his job. He knew his job was to bear witness. He was preparing the way for Jesus. We heard about him last week. He was preparing the way for Jesus, and he was making disciples along the way, baptizing people, preaching the kingdom. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and be baptized. He's preparing the way, and he is the one that gets to baptize Jesus. Now, I was thinking, man, if I was John the Baptist, and I baptized Jesus, I would, like, retire. Like, that's like the, man, like, who else are you going to baptize after that? Like, you just baptized the Son of God, right? Like, all right, man, I... Man, let's end on a high note. I've baptized Jesus. We're good to go. And he prepares the way, and the word we find for witness here is the same word we find in Acts. It's the word for martyr. It's the word for dying for a greater cause. And John the Baptist, if you don't know his story, he goes on to be in prison because he calls out the ruler of the area because he marries his sister-in-law. He says, hey, this is an illegitimate wedding. The daughter of his sister-in-law asks for the head of John the Baptist, and so he gets put in prison. And John the Baptist, the man who's been preparing the way for the Lord, is now in prison, sends a couple of disciples to Jesus, and, and, and they are remi remembering the words of prophecy that, that, that the Messiah would come to give sight to the blind, to heal the sick, to, to free the captive. And so these are the words that John knows. 
And, and he sends his disciples to Jesus, and Jesus sends the word back to him, and he says, yes, the, the Son of God is here. The Son of God is here to, to heal the sick, to give sight to the blind. And you know what he leaves out? He leaves out in his message to John to free the captive. And almost like in a very subtle way telling John, hey, man, like your hope of being uh, relieved or released from prison, that's not what I came to do. I have a greater purpose. Even John, in a moment, thought Jesus was coming. Surely, man, we are, we're about to be about the kingdom. And, and he still hadn't completely seen it. And so what, what we see, even in John the Baptist, he says, hey, he ranks higher than me. I'm not worthy to, to untie his sandals. But if we're real, and can we keep it real, fam? Like if we are really honest, we, we like to rank ourselves before God. Many days we like to rank ourselves before God. We do it in subtle things, in our preferences, in the way we manage our four T's. Like just, just pay attention to how you steward those things. Are, are, are they about the kingdom of God? Are they about using them to, to, to glorify and to bring about the message of hope to the world? Or are they more about kind of feeding ourselves, building our own little kingdom? And this is the tension that we will continually wrestle with on this side of eternity. But praise the Lord that he says here he has grace upon grace. That even though you and I will wake up tomorrow and place our hopes in the temporal things, in the momentary things, even though we'll wake up tomorrow and build our own kingdoms and, and rank ourselves higher than God, God has given us grace upon grace. And that is the good news that we find in Jesus who came and became flesh for you and me so that we would know God. Before Jesus, we could not know God at this level, but Jesus came, became flesh. He became a temple. It was a tent that he lived in in this body, and we could see him and know him and experience him. And he died the, 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 he died the death that you and I deserve so that we could have the life that only he deserved and that is a gift of grace. So wherever you find yourself today, or whatever part of life you are in, whatever relief you've been asking of the Lord, Lord, I just, I just need you to do this for me. Let me invite you to consider today that what he wants to give you is Christ. He wants to give you Jesus himself. He wants to give you an eternal perspective, an eternal reality now. Not when you die, but now. And that that eternal reality would shape and form every part of your life because Jesus is worth every part of our life. So what if what you want out of life is way too small because you've simply been asking for the temporal and the momentary for the now? How might our prayer lives change this week if we consider the word became flesh, that the beginning, that the cosmic eternal creator became flesh so that we could see his glory and we too could be people of grace and truth. What might your prayers look like this week if you go before the Lord and say, Lord, let me see your glory. Let me experience your grace. Let me experience your truth that I may be rooted in my identity as your child and purposed as a witness of light. How can we take this good news and this light to the world? It starts by first communing with the Lord. So let me challenge you this week to take time to be in the word, to take time to be in prayer, to take time to ask God to reveal through his light the darkest parts of your heart that haven't yet been turned over to him and allow him to awaken you to eternal life, to the life that is beyond this moment and allow that eternal life to give you the hope 
the peace, the joy, and the love that we need for our daily living, let alone for the people around us that need to hear the good news of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we come before you this morning um, just with, with honesty in our hearts that uh, on our good days, we, um, we, we want to believe that you are better. On our good days, we, we want to acknowledge that, that really the deepest longings are only satisfied in you. But we get right back into our Monday through Saturday, consume right back through the things this world tells us we need and that we need a desire. We begin to be consumed by those things. We begin to consumed by the things that um, are lesser things, not bad things, but are really poor substitutes for the eternal joy we find in Christ. So I just pray that as, as we land today, that you would be so gracious and so kind to, to allow us in, in your light to see the parts of our lives and our hearts and our minds that we've not submitted, submitted to your kingship. Allow us to see the parts of our lives that we've not yet turned over to you, that, that we keep saying, no, 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 Lord, I, I know you have eternal life for me, but I just, I, if I can just have this, I know I'll be happy. If I could just have this moment or this job or this season or my kids or, or this schedule, whatever it is that's tying us down, Lord, I just, I just pray that you, by your grace, would just release us of that, would strip us of disbelief of the things that keep us from truly believing that you are better and greater than anything we could ever want and need. And when we have tasted and we have seen that you are good, I pray that then we would be people that like Buddy the Elf, that we could not wait to tell people, I know him. He's coming and I know him and I can't, I can't contain it. I have to share the good news of the one that has first loved me. Let us be those kind of men and women in this world men and women, children of the light. In your name we pray, amen.